NBC News is reporting that the Secretary of State referred to the president as a moron in a meeting with other people behind closed doors. Had to be begged to stay by the vice president and others. And so he's decided he has to respond to that, and he has just uh, walked out. Will uh, he resign? This is dramatic. We're going to pick it up from the beginning and see what he has to say. Secretary of State Chuck Todd, thank you. We're going to listen in to what Rex Tillerson has to say. Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd. (laughs) Morning. There are some news reports this morning that I want to address. First, my commitment to the success of our president and our country is as strong as it was the day I accepted his offer to serve as Secretary of State. President Trump's America First agenda has given voice to millions who felt completely abandoned by the political status quo and who felt their interests came second to those of other countries. President Trump's foreign policy goals break the mold of what people traditionally think is achievable on behalf of our country. We're finding new ways to govern that deliver new victories. Our job is now to achieve results on behalf of America, and we are doing that. We've created international unity around our peaceful pressure campaign against North Korea, including influencing China to exert unprecedented economic influence on North Korea. At the Riyadh summit, the president rallied Muslim-majority nations to assume new responsibilities for stopping terrorism. NATO members are now contributing more to shared security. And our approach to South Asia, and specifically Afghanistan, means building upon our relationships with India and Pakistan to stamp out terrorism and support the Afghan government in providing security for their own people. And ISIS's fraudulent caliphate in Iraq and Syria is on the brink of being completely extinguished thanks to an aggressive new strategy led by the president. What we have accomplished, we have done as a team. Similarly, Secretary Mnuchin has levied economic sanctions on North Korea and related entities. Countries must increasingly decide whether they will do business with North Korea or with the community of peace-loving nations. Ambassador Haley has spearheaded and achieved enormous success passing the toughest UN sanctions to date on North Korea. General Mattis and I communicate virtually every day and we agree that there must be the highest level of coordination between our diplomatic efforts and our military efforts. You can't have a stronger partner than a Secretary of Defense who embraces diplomacy. So I can't tell if he's building up to, so as I step down as Secretary of State, I leave the place in good hands, or or so I'm staying, or I can't tell which direction he's going. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Stan. Uh, he seems to be building the case for everything's going great. Yes, Hashtag sir. no Rexit. <laughs> he feels he has the partner he needs at the State Department. And this is just the beginning of the list of partners and friends across the government who are all working for the American people. There's much to be done, and we're just getting started. To address a few specifics that have been erroneously reported this morning. I think the president is a moron. No, 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 no. no. Disrespectful, sir. Let it roll. Here we go. This is exciting. The vice president has never had to persuade me to remain as secretary of state because I have never considered leaving this post. I value the friendship and the counsel of the vice president. And I admire his leadership within President Trump's administration to address 
the many important agendas of President Trump, both from a foreign policy perspective and a dip diplomatic, a, uh, I'm sorry, a domestic objective. Let me tell you what I've learned about this president, whom I did not know before taking this office. He loves his country. He puts Americans and America first. He's smart. He demands results wherever he goes, and he holds those around him accountable for whether they've done the job he's asked them to do. Accountability is one of the bedrock values the president and I share. While I'm new to Washington, I have learned that there are some who try to sow dissension to advance their own agenda by tearing others apart in an effort to undermine President Trump's own agenda. I do not and I will not operate that way. And the same applies to everyone on my team here at the State Department. When I wake up in the morning, my first thoughts are about the safety of our citizens at home and abroad. There's no more important responsibility I carry with me than ensuring that Americans are safe. Providing for the security of the United States must be the number one goal of our American foreign policy. President Trump and his administration will keep moving forward as one team with one mission, doing great things for the United States of America to make America great again. MAGA! Thank you. Is that the only thing that you consider to be erroneous in that article? Good question, because he did not address whether or not he called the president a moron. So MAGA, not moron. So, so are you saying everything that article is wrong? What does he say? I think it's the most important element of the article is to reaffirm my commitment to this role that President Trump's asked me to serve and to dispel with this notion that I have ever considered leaving. I have answered that question repeatedly. For some reason, it continues to be misreported. There's never been a consideration in my mind to leave. I serve at the appointment of the president, and I'm here for as long as the president feels I can be useful to achieving his objectives. All right, look, did you call him a moron or didn't you? I think he clearly Everybody's did. Everybody's thinking it. I think he clearly did. Yeah. yeah. Agree with Secretary Mattis that the United States should stay in the JCPOA? We'll have a recommendation for the president. We're going to give him a... Okay, now they're getting into real Secretary of State stuff. Yeah, ask the, ask the M question, the M bomb. Although, yeah, I don't know. So I, I do want to hear what he says about that. So here... here. The, the, the guy asks him about Iran? So, Not Iran, Moran. That's what, we're, that's what we're all wondering. <laughs> Give the people what they want. So I'm thinking he hasn't considered quitting. Never talked to anybody about it. He did call the president a moron. Yeah, although I'd like to hear. Let's to get one more question. Let's okay. listen let's to one he, more question. How do you not ask that? That's clearly the stupid, question. serious reporters with their substantive move forward to advance the important policy towards Iran. As you've heard us say many times, the JCPOA represents only a small part of the many issues that we need to deal with when it comes to the Iranian relationship. So it is an important part of that, but no, it's not clearly the only it is part. Anyway. I've said many times we cannot <laughs> let the Iranian relationship be defined solely by that nuclear agreement. <laughs> Could you address the, the main headline of this story that you called the president a moron? And if not, where do you think these reports are? I'm, just, I'm not going to deal with petty stuff like that. I mean, this is this is what I don't understand about Washington. Again, you know, I'm not from this place. 
But the places I come from, we don't deal with that kind of petty nonsense. And it is intended to do nothing but divide people. And I'm just not going to be part of this effort to divide this administration. Wow. So he's not going to dignify it with a response, which which is a lost art in America. The high road. Whatever happened it also to means, the high road? It also means he did call the president a moron. I will 100%. not join with you. I will not join with you either in your gossip mongering. But... I uh, agree with what we were talking about earlier. You get to say that about your boss or coworkers behind closed doors when you're venting, and it doesn't need to be something you need to, like, you know, say out loud or deal with. How easy of a win would it be if Trump came out and said, I hope he did. I, I hire passionate men who use passionate words when dealing with complex issues. That'd be a good one. They, they, these things don't, these are just words. They're just, they, they don't affect me. We'll be fine. That seems Rex, like an easy political Rex win. Rex Tillerson has grabbed this job by the P. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Where I come from, we don't deal with these petty issues. Well, I'm sure that's true. At Exxon, you, you think anybody ever calls anybody a moron behind closed doors and then continues to work with them? Yeah, all the freaking time. Or, the you know, the time-honored, you can call somebody a moron. It's a little different to say, is he a moron? That's a question. That's not calling him one. I call my friends morons on a daily basis. They're my favorite people on the planet. Right. It's a guy thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that was interesting. I can't believe it took three questions to get somebody to actually ask the uh, the moron part. Who is that other person from the Atlantic or some serious magazine where they care about actual policy? Boo! <laughs> Boy, Tillerson was madder than an armadillo in the left lane of a... Something or other. Exactly. With a, a frog. There's probably a turtle involved and a, an old fella in a cowboy hat. He's that mad. <laughs> so, there you have it. Put that behind us for the day. Uh, you are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Some words of encouragement for the locals as he helped them out. Here's what he told some hurricane survivors after giving out supplies. We're going to help you out. Thank you. Have a good time. Thank you, Mr. President. Have a good time. It's a flood area, not a water park. <laughs> I think that was one of those. I, you know, I think everybody's done that. It was like the unintentional. Thing. You too. Right. Have a good flight. You too. Oh, you're not flying. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I said something like that to someone the other day in a in a in a bad situation, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I walked away thinking, do I correct it or do I? No, I just kept walking. The POTUS's tone deafness is undeniable, though, in my opinion. So we haven't talked about him throwing out the paper towels. I guess that's a story. So uh, is it? Hmm. Well, it's a video that's very popular. Okay, all right, fair so enough. So we'll discuss that coming. We'll up. get there first, though. Washington Post tech reporter Brian Fung joins us to uh, discuss the small breach of Yahoo. Brian, welcome. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. So it was about 10% of Yahoo customers' uh, information was hacked, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, what what Yahoo just said yesterday was that, in fact, in 2013, all of its accounts were breached. So about Uh, half. (laughs) (laughs) Every Uh, damn one of them, Brian? Every, all three billion. Uh, three billion. Half three the planet of the earth. What? That's incredible. Reported. Uh, so, what all info does the, the whoever the Russians or the four hundred pound fat guy in his bed? What information do they get from we Yahoo users? Well, that's not entirely clear. It may depend on uh, each account. 
But uh, Yahoo says the additional counts that uh, were affected in its announcement yesterday, um, you know, no uh, credit card information was breached. Uh, and they said no um, unencrypted passwords uh, were breached in, in that attack as well. So, um, you know, that, that's small comfort considering how many data breaches we've been hearing about lately. But, uh, you know, at least there's that. So how would you characterize the seriousness of the hack? Is it something that is likely to affect uh, us and, and the good folks listening? Well, uh, you know, as the economy increasingly revolves around data, uh, you know, we're just creating gobs and gobs of it. And, uh, you know, the more companies uh, lose control of that data, the, the more that, you know, individual consumers actually get um, affected and could potentially be harmed. So, you know, this is uh, an issue that isn't going away anytime soon. Um, uh, but, you know, policymakers and regulators are trying to get their arms around it. Brian Fung of the Washington Post is on the line. Brian, we're we're really big on government waste around here and the need for smaller government, the bureaucracy, blah, blah, blah. And we talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I really hold no hope in my heart it'll improve. I just, I it's a doomed battle we're fighting. As you write about all these hacks and, and the effort to get security to be better, et cetera, do you have a doomed feeling or do you think, wow, we're finally waking up and, and, and we're going to get pretty good at this? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that, uh, you know, the more we hear about these hacks and the more damage um, that, that uh, you know, companies face uh, both reputationally as well as in terms of, of their business, um, you know, as a result of these breaches, uh, the more people will be galvanized to try and do something about it. Um, <laughs> that, the sad fact, though, is that uh, if it takes that to get companies moving, then um, you know the harm has already happened to consumers. So, are, are, with all these stories, are the hackers getting better, or is our ability to know we've been hacked getting better? Well, it's both. Um, you know, companies uh, all the time are evaluating how hackers are, uh, you know, changing their tactics, and they are changing their tactics, uh, you know, constantly. If you talk to cybersecurity experts, they'll tell you that uh, the threat landscape is evolving almost, you know, on a day-to-day basis, uh, which means, you know, the companies have to remain up to date on what the latest threats are uh, and to, to remain vigilant. But, uh, you know, that that is really, really hard in a world where, you know, virtually everyone can get started with uh, with malicious software. Should I even worry about trying to protect my info anymore? I mean, I've had my information, I think, hacked four or five times uh, with various companies that I was involved in, Equifax and Yahoo, certainly to start with. Yeah, in the I last mean, week, for instance. Yeah. yeah. So is there any point in even being concerned about trying to keep my Social Security number secret? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if you are a, a victim of identity theft, uh, it can wind up having a, a large and unpleasant effect on your day-to-day life. So, um, you know, even if it feels like uh, it's pointless to do so, um, everyone should still keep up with basic security hygiene, things like um, having strong passwords, using two-factor authentication if you haven't done so already, um, you know, making sure that uh, you don't click on any uh, suspicious links or attachments that come through your email. These are all basic security procedures that everyone in the 21st century should be uh, familiar with. Yeah, because not every uh, identity, or I should say data thief, not every data thief has every 
uh, variety of intent in mind. You know, they might just be collecting mega pieces of data to sell to somebody. Uh, whereas, you know, we, we get listener uh, emails fairly frequently from somebody whose identity was stolen. Somebody bought a car, then defaulted on the payments, blah, blah, blah. And that's hundreds of hours of grief. And whoever hacked into Yahoo, I'm guessing, Brian, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is probably not going to just run down to the CarMax and, and get a used car. I mean, one of the harder things about this is that, uh, you know, the thieves are getting smarter and smarter. And so their ability to use um, data in ways that we didn't anticipate, um, that's changing rapidly also. So, uh, you know, it's important for average consumers to keep in mind that even um, the the metadata uh, that can show, you know, where they've been and uh, where they live, uh, that that data can be also incredibly useful to uh, to third parties as well. So the threats out there are just um, you know you just got to be very cognizant of uh, all the ways that your data can be misused in this day and age. Interesting, Brian Fung, Wapo Tech Reporter. I don't know if this is your area of expertise, but you know since my social security is out there in so many different forms, you know I've given it to it's been hacked so many times. I've had to give it to so many different people for a variety of things. Should we have a new number or something? Should we move on or can you change it? Because I can change all the passwords and everything like that, but my social security number, as far as I know, I can't change. Right. Well, some people are beginning to talk about uh, what could replace the social security number someday. And, uh, you know, you got uh, folks who suggest possibly um, Bitcoin or the blockchain as a technology that could replace or help secure personal financial data. Um, you know, you've got uh, people talking about using uh, public and private keys, kind of like the way that email encryption works um, to uh, to help protect people's identities. Um, there are a lot of ide- ideas that are being bandied about right now, but um, it's still very, very early days. Well, we can't comprehend those things. So just send, send us step by step instructions when it's time to start. And we'll fill out the forms and, and do that new thing. It's interesting that Social Security at the beginning, it was specifically stated that this shall not be used as a form of identification because it would be because that would be a terrible idea. But here we are. Brian Fung from The Washington Post. Brian, it's always enlightening. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Good to talk to you. What's well, the closest thing we have to a serial number as human beings, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you should never have to give it out. It's for one purpose and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Where that, that cow is not only out the barn door, it's caught the bus to the big city and is now, you know, doing a one man show on Broadway. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, the whole. Like the car thing I mentioned to you, this letter from this gal was heartbreaking. The hundreds of hours she has spent with unfeeling bureaucrats and phone answering morons and banks and credit cards and credit bureaus and the rest of it trying to unstain her credit. Oh, that would suck. Oh, my God. My heart goes out to her. It's just awful. And you know know that would rear its ugly head every time you went to buy a car or house for the rest of your life. There's going to be something show up. Oh, trust me. God, the the, the number of times, and and I'm going to get a loud amen from the choir, anybody who's dealt with this, the number of times you get it fixed, and then the next time you go to do something, turns out, oh, it didn't get fixed, even though they told me specifically and in detail that it had been fixed. I mean, again, God bless you, uh, ma'am. You you ought to have a book in the Bible like old Job. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so you got that, but you've also got the fact that Facebook is now making billions and billions of dollars based on 
what you're interested in, where you go, what kind of grub you like to eat, your tastes in uh, buying, et cetera, your political opinions, blah, 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 blah. Not all these hackers want to buy a car. They want that data to sell to somebody. So, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff, I'm like, go ahead. Right. I don't care who has it particularly as long as they don't steal from me. Um, and I just, I was trying to get from Brian a sense, and I'm not sure I did, that this this Yahoo thing, which one of those was that? What do they want? Who are these guys? But, again, one of the, the main skills that hackers have is masking who they are, when they were there, how long they were there, what they took, and why they took it. So, But don't base a man's entire career on a dadgum Yahoo commercial. That's a good point, Coach Singletary. Thank you. Yeah, I've had my uh, my identity, or, well, I guess my info stolen so many times, and so far nothing has happened to me that I'm aware of. I just wonder, is there one day we all wake up and our, our savings accounts are empty or our 401ks are empty or something like that? That would be vexing. That they've got some sort of long game they're playing? Haha, <laughs> joke's on them. I don't have a savings. <laughs> hey, Jack, Jack gets no respect. They stole his identity and they gave it back. Hey, now. Oh. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Now, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson addresses his job status, backbiting, and name-calling in D.C., the shooter's girlfriend taken out of LAX by the FBI in a wheelchair. We've got more details on that strange arrival and her murky past. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Is it that murky? She's got a murky past? It looks pretty obvious to me what was going on. You're the waitress in a high roller room and you started dating some old rich guy. Isn't that why you got the job to be a waitress oh, in a they, high roller room? And they hit it off. That's so sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I hung out with him. I'd have sex with him, and he bought me stuff. That was our relationship. (laughs) Storybook stuff, really. (laughs) Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, Michael Jack's a complete moron. (laughs) Yeah, I think about resigning every day. Uh, you, hey, we're back, everybody. Uh, Welcome uh, to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> you know, people talk about Washington, D.C. being like a high school. I don't think they get how true that is. Right. I mean, because Rex Tillerson, he's been running Exxon. The idea that the, na- that the press is running around just excitedly reporting uh, uh, rumors that, you know, I heard that Caitlin called Jenna a total bitch. Oh, yeah. She said it right out loud. That's what I heard. I mean, the press is just in a fever over this crap. Tillerson's thinking, don't you people have something to do? Don't you have a purpose? What is? What, what are you doing? Well, that is their purpose, the gossip. Yeah. And the who's in and who's out. Last week, I thought on the whole, uh, whatever that guy was, Price, housing, oh, right. whatever, right. health, yeah. whatever yeah. it was. Tom Price, right. Health and Human right. Services, yeah. How many people in America actually care about that? It's just, who's the secretary of that? Not very many people. Every day, Jack, I thank God for my health and my human services. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the drumbeat was loud enough to bring Secretary of State Rex Tillerson out for a press conference this morning. He was addressing an NBC News report that he had threatened to quit, telling reporters he was there. To address a few specifics that have been erroneously reported this morning. The Vice President has never had to persuade me to remain as Secretary of State because I have never considered leaving this post. Okay, there you have that one. Now, during the Q&A with reporters after his statement, it wasn't until the reporter's third question that Tillerson was asked about the elephant in the room. Did you address the, the main headline of this story that you called the President a moron? And if not, where do you think these 
reports or I'm, just, I'm not going to deal with petty stuff like that. I mean, this is this is what I don't understand about Washington. Again, you know, I'm not from this place, but the places I come from, we don't deal with that kind of petty nonsense. And it is intended to do nothing but divide people. And I'm just not going to be part of this effort to divide this administration. I have problems with Trump and some of you hate me for it. Um, but I call him as I see him, and I, I admire a lot of things about his administration, too. And, and here's one of them. For the first time in a very long time, we have major players in the administration who are not going to do the Washington dance. The Washington dance that serves only Washington. It's so insular. It's so inward-looking. And it's so profitable for all of them. And they're going to call, you know, they're going to go to the Capitol, to the, the, the among the, the powerful and the self-satisfied, and call them on their bull ass. And that part I love. And I'm not sure we would have gotten that from anybody but Donald J. freaking Trump, the guy from TV. <laughs> um, I'll be interested to see how NBC's handling this because they went big with it this yeah. morning. They uh, the, the, the reporter, I saw the reporter on TV, and she's been working on this story since June with a lot of different sources, she says. She, they spent a long time before they came out with it verifying all this stuff, so they either got to... You know, say, well, Tillerson's lying or not. I think they're going to go with that. Well, he didn't say. He didn't say he didn't call him a moron. He said, I'm not going to dignify but, this garbage. But the resigning part, I mean, they... Oh, they, oh that they, part. They, they, they claim that that's pretty well sourced, that he he was convinced to stay by a number of other people. Well, I wonder if NBC will feel like they have rounds coming into the airframe. Oh. Uh. Devastating. Uh. <laughs> The Vegas gunman's girlfriend, Mary Lou Danley, flew into L.A. from the Philippines, her home country, and was met with by and met by FBI agents who took her out of a side exit, whisked her out in a wheelchair. She used her left hand to keep a baseball hat pressed down on her head to avoid the waiting TV crews. So this may have all been a ruse. Let's just put her in a wheelchair. We'll push her out really quickly, get her out okay. as fast as we can. Now, according to numerous reports, it's been claimed Danley may have been married to two men at once, used two social security numbers, lived in multiple addresses in several different states, and had two dates of birth. That's some of the information that is coming out. She's, Maybe it was a difficult labor. She could certainly could have been taking advantage of elderly high rollers for years. I think that sounds pretty likely. But uh, why did he send her a hundred grand? Yep, last week or whenever that was. Yep, just days before the shooting. That's a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of that's money. A tip. That's he a knew lot he was going to die. Money. He finally tipped the hooker. Whew. Allegedly, friends of uh, Danley's uh, say no, no, no. This was money. It was it was planned out a long time ago? That hundred thousand dollars was going to be used to build a house in the Philippines for the family. That's okay. one of the stories that's being floated out there. Meanwhile, hey, uh, can I can I throw something out yeah. there real quickly? I just want to recognize it because we've heard I've heard this a couple of times from from listeners and, and people uh, IRL in real life. When the Vegas shooting broke, they couldn't work up feelings nearly in proportion to it. I think it overstates it to say that people were saying they felt nothing, but they felt numb. Yeah. Oh, God, another one. And moved on. And uh, I think that says something. Well, I know it says something. I don't know precisely what it says, but I get it. About 
the fact that this happens so often it's become a defense mechanism or because yeah. this one yeah. was so awful, you know, uh, Tim Sandifer, when his brother was killed, right. uh, hit us with that Mark Twain quote that we we can't take this stuff in all at once. We have to just take in a little and then hold it off for a while, then take in a little more. Right. We're not designed. Our psyches aren't designed to take it all in. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, that's part of it. And, and plus, people are just thinking, I can't take on this much pain this frequently. Right. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Sorry, Marshall, did I take up the time you were going to devote to some aspirin will make you blind story or coffee will give you erectile dysfunction? Oh, don't worry. We can roll that over into next hour. (laughs) All right. Hugh Hefner had some drug-resistant E. coli that did him in. Is that it? Yes. Hmm. That's why you don't have unprotected sex. Yes, exactly. Or maybe he ate a Chipotle. Oh, wow. Hey. No? Hey, wow. That wildly inappropriate. And they have lawyers. I suggest to protest Jack's outrage, you eat at Chipotle today. I love Chipotle. You're not going to love their lawyers. I'll, I'll eat a pork burrito there today. You'd better. <laughs> okay. Um, so we'll bring you that Hugh Hefner story coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. When I heard the, uh, saw the clips and heard the fire, I just assumed he had an automatic weapon. I did not know that uh, there was technology capable that cheaply of transforming a semi-automatic into an automatic weapon. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question we ought to look at that. And that's a Republican, ladies and germs. Uh, the whole bump stocks thing, if you're uh, if you're familiar with it, that is Google something. It. Go to YouTube. You'll understand pretty quick. That is something that, uh, that even Republicans and Fox News hosts are saying, that exists? I didn't know that existed. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure we should have those. You know, let me take a second. It's amazingly clever technology. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's really, really clever. Um, but it, it functionally turns a rifle into an automatic rifle, a machine gun, if you will. The, yeah, the whole gun laws thing is, and that's, you know, the weirdness of the gun laws thing. But I've got a friend that it will show me all, time, all the time guns that he's assembled and saying, this gun is illegal on, on all kinds of different levels. Buying this gun, then getting these four parts to put on it, is perfectly legal. But this gun, once it's assembled, no way uh, the, the, the country would ever accept that. Can it change hands? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just, you know, do I don't have, I don't know why we design them that way. But do you have any sense of what sort of level of enthusiasm or expertise you need to do those modifications? Oh, not much at all. Okay. Not much at all. Because I know those bump stocks, they they were relatively cheap. I think I, the number I saw floating around, floating around was starting around forty bucks, and then putting them on your gun or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's something. Uh, so maybe that will change. I don't know. Um, I thought I thought I think it's interesting that you've got the the gun conversation that it's very difficult to to get anything through because um, Second Amendment types, often like myself fight these things, but everything gets fought because there's a concern that if you let anything through, it'll lead to more restrictions. And then the same thing is happening on the other side with abortion, as the Republicans have passed something that the vast majority of Americans are in agreement with, um, abortions after 20 weeks, that will get no play among Democrats because Democrats are afraid if they give on this, even though most people agree with it, and it's horrific, that that will lead to overturning Roe versus Wade. Or they'll lose the support of the activists who believe that. Maybe that's it. Yeah. 
Maybe that's it. But the whole, if we give an inch, they'll take a mile thing just it seems, well, very counterproductive. You can't live your life that way. No. No. Can you imagine? Filibuster your wife? I'm sorry. You can't bring that up. I'm filibustering. You know, come on. You'd end up, uh, everybody, hating each other. Well, well, I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, I'm not going to let my kids have a piece of uh, birthday cake because that could lead to them eating nothing but cake and becoming obese. Well, right. that'd be a stupid way to look at it. Right. The idea that eliminating abortions after 20 weeks is automatically going to lead to Roe versus Wade being overturned is ridiculous. Sure. The idea that getting rid of bump stocks is going to lead to we don't get to own guns anymore is ridiculous. Right. It's not a football game. Just because, you know, the, the other team moves at a few yards doesn't mean they have the momentum and your defense is tired or... Or anything no you're just a few yards down the road but that is the way it works and yep. i think you're probably right it's the, the it really pisses off the activists who spend the money maybe that's it which reminds me uh very briefly uh we made an egregious factual error uh yesterday and uh, positive sean is to blame what on the uh the amount that the national rifle association has donated etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you, you misread a statistic and gave it to us live on the air, which we then repeated. It's highly unfortunate. Are you taking full responsibility? I am putting full responsibility on positive Sean. So you're not taking full responsibility. I'm giving full responsibility, which makes Mm. me generous. Um, (laughs) the, the number you gave us for what the NRA donated to congressional people was for a year, not since 1998. It's it's tens of millions of dollars in the past several years, and they gave thirty million to the president through various PACs to the uh, President Trump's efforts this year alone. Hmm, so that must be an interesting way. Huh. The way that I'll have to look into that because I saw that story Sean talked about several places yesterday. Um, so there's some either just outright fake news going on or manipulation of statistics. I don't know which. I'll have to look into that because that's interesting. I got duped. I apologize. I tried to uh, to verify those things. I shall redouble my efforts next time. Well, mm. you hung the hosts out to dry. You fed us falsehoods, made us look like fools, idiots, jackasses, morons, to what? cite the popular well, term of the day. I am appreciative of the responsibility that you have given me to take full responsibility of this uh, error. The repercussions will be more severe than that, I'm afraid, Michael. It's very dusty, but I need you to clean off the case, find the key, and unlock the beating wand. The old BW, the beating wand, used to bring it out a lot. Hasn't been brought out for some time, but we've become a little slack as an organization. So here's a great story. Former Marine that's in the uh, the concert crowd, he and his buddy, Everybody's getting shot. Wounded people are everywhere, he's, he thought, as a Marine. These people need to get to the hospital. He said, I need a truck. He finds a, a work lot where there's a bunch of work trucks, and he starts going truck to truck looking for one he can start. One's got the keys in it, brings the truck over, loads up 20 people, him and his friend, take them to the hospital, come back, get 30 more people, and wow. take them to the hospital. Wow. He went and, he went and commandeered a truck. Wow. Which people is the sort of are, thing you do with as a Marine. People are amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've got one chunk of 18 to 22-year-old America learning how to do that. You have another chunk weeping bitterly because somebody disagrees with them somewhere on campus and they just can't take it. Yeah. Yeah. God bless that young man. Yeah. Well done, sir. Uh, Yeah. And then how much time have I got? I'll hit you with this because then then we'll have to stop talking about it. You're going to hear this a lot during the conversation, one way or the other, politically on the whole guns thing. There are 33,000 gun deaths every year. Two-thirds of them are suicides. 
two thirds of them. So that's the, the eleven thousand we're dealing with. Are you uh, looking at the article from the gal who writes for five thirty eight dot It is uh, extremely interesting. She was for all sorts of gun control till she did the research, then realized how much of the, how many of the ideas that are constantly thrown around are utterly ineffective. Uh, definitely worth digging into. Yeah, we can. There's some more interesting statistics on that front. And also, the, if you haven't heard the taco song on this National Taco Day, you should stick around for that. Oh, I do love these National Days. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.